Talk Recorded live.
Can you hear me okay? Oh, I think I lost you. Are you there? Patrick? Okay, I'm not even hearing you or not. I'll call you right back. Can you hear me? Yes, 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 I can hear you. You think that you what? I couldn't hear that. Uh, I, that I went through a zone. I just, oh, I, I see. Gotcha, I, gotcha. Yeah, and you love Just connection. walking into my office. I, I'm a little late. Okay. But I'm heading through the building. Uh, so you asked us uh, what? What I, well, yeah, what I asked you was, from these last months almost, because I, I heard you say, you know, some things that you're still like procrastinating or not, you know, not moving at the rate that you would like to. But I would love to start with the success because one of the things that I've learned and I keep on learning is how instead of beating ourselves up or being, or being self-critical, it's so important to just build on the successes we have, even if it's, even if it's a small thing like something that has gone, you know, that has been a good thing. So I wanted to right. start with that. Um, yeah. Um, well, a few things. I mean, I think we started working in September. Is that right? We started working, I can tell you exactly the date. We started working, oh, yeah. Very likely. September 29th, yeah. Actually, a little before. Yeah, we started right. you know, working like beginning of September, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing is that I've gone from being uh, fairly full schedule. I mean, I, I still have room to go. I mean, it's actually all relative, but because I have, um, but I've gone from being fairly full to being, you know, uh, booked out kind of, not quite, uh, you know, I usually have one appointment left, in, one or two appointments in the, in the upcoming week left. Mm. So uh, there's that. Yeah. And what else? Is there something else that you notice in yourself or in, in well, your... I think... Uh, Hold on, I've just gotten upstairs and I'm about to walk in my office, so I probably have to say okay. some people.
Hey there. Hi. Um, all right, now I'm walking into my office finally. Um, yeah, and I, I would say, you know, it's interesting. I, I feel like I'm connecting more and more just, uh, in a positive way. You know, I'm, I'm tapping more uh, and just doing work on myself more kind of on a day-to-day level more. I mean, it's not quite day-to-day, but it's almost day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And just having a more positive outlook and just, you know, really defining myself by my desires and my goals rather than any of my negative assessments about what's happening. That's huge. Yeah. So, and it's funny, I mean, another interesting side of it is dealing with my, you know, my my older brother from Paris literally makes me commit suicide any minute. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And, but dealing with him has actually helped me mm-hmm. because everything that, you know, I feel myself really is kind of a, a, a lesser version of him. You know, I totally relate to him right. in so many ways. And so it's actually helped me because I've had to tell him to do you know, I'm not sure if it works at all, but everything I'm telling him is something that I want to do hmm. more and more. I mean, I already do it, but obviously much more than he does, but not to the extent that, you know, so a lot of it involves this kind of positive attitude, focusing on goals, focusing on, you know, the idea that anything's possible, looking at really underlying paradigms. And that's really, I feel, what my essence is about really, you know. I mean, that's also part of my gift to the world that I even look at that question, like not even our, like, what are the stories that we live by or what are the stories that I live by, but even the deeper ones underneath those stories. Yeah. And just basic ones, you know, being a parent. Mm -hmm. I'm really coming into this very basic idea of life is much easier than we were ever taught. Yeah. I'm sure there's, I mean, you know, my latest way of saying it is like 80% of the time or possibly even 90% of the time, that's true. And so why focus on the 20% of the time or 10, probably even closer to 10% of the time that's not true? Like, also the the other underlying paradigm is you can get everything you want. Well, 90% of the time, 80 to 90% of the time, I feel you can, you know? Yeah, and that's the truth. And so yeah. it's like, yes, there's the 10 to 20% you can't get what you want, but that's a pretty high percentage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've been re- really committing deeper and deeper in the last six months to those kind of deaper paradigms. You know, that's and with Coriel, being a father, it's like, uh, you know, life is easy, meaning that learning is not hard. So that's also for her, but also for me. Yeah. And that is really huge, isn't it? Yeah. So those are are the positives. I guess one last positive is I feel, you know, it's interesting. I, I, well, this is my other wonderful underlying paradigm is that you don't have to be very good at anything, you know, coming out of the perfectionistic, 
mode. Mm, and yeah. That we're all bumblers. And that yeah. you can be a bumbler and do extremely well. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm committing to being a bumbler, which just really means not being perfectionistic. Mm. So letting go of that idea that you have to do things perfect in order to succeed. Yeah, which is, oh, my God, I was so, it's the loser's game. And I was really taught the loser's game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I see it so much in my my brother. Yeah, go ahead. Just one last thing. I see it so much in my brother so clearly because he's like, if something is even one speck of something is wrong, then he throws out the whole idea or the whole person or the whole system or the whole whatever it is. You know, and I'm just like, Daniel, you can't live like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you also understand where it comes from, right? Because you had a very, very critical mom. Exactly. Whose love was pretty conditioned depending on where she was at. So yeah. one of the one of the paradigms, one of the programming, one of the beliefs as a child that it seems like you all you all kind of downloaded is that you have to be perfect and everything has to be just right in order for things to go well. Which means translation, mom is happy. Which in reality has nothing had nothing to do with you as children, but as kids, we it's amazing how we interpret things. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, and then when I say that this makes sense, it's like, it's just like, because there's a part of us that is so, um, so vulnerable, right? It's like the, the part of of us that is not our mind, but that, you know, our nervous system, our little child that needs to to feel loved in order to survive, and that we're always looking at our parents to be in a good place because we know that through them, if they're in a good place, then that ensures that we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. And if you know, and we're going to have to, we're going to do everything that we can in order for them to be happy. And it's so incredible. So, as you know, you were talking earlier today. So, I definitely would love to talk with you about a little bit more about the law of attraction. And I was curious, have you, have you, do you decide if you're going to actually uh, take the EFT level two or where, where you're at with that? Because we're well, also I would love to. I, I thought you had to ask, uh, well, that's actually a very important conversation because if you and Stefan allow me to do that, then yeah. I feel I really want to devote to it and really, you know, you know, in the next month and a half, yeah. So when is it? When is it? Is it the end of this month? It's the end of the, this month. And level two, let me go back to my calendar. Level two, shoot, um, is Saturday and Sunday, April 30th and May 1st. Okay. And if you were to do that, well, we can do this, a variety of options. One of the possibilities is that we can get together with a level one manual. And we could even literally translate one or two of our sessions, you know, instead of doing your sessions, devote a couple of those sessions 
to cover all the materials so you can jump on. Stefan said that it's okay as long as you're really familiar with level one because we're going to okay. level level two is so much, uh, you know, b- based on having the found, the fundamentals, fundamentals of level one. So we don't want you to feel like, you know, one thing is to know how to tap, another thing is to just know the basics. Right. right. So if you wanted to do that, then we can definitely go ahead and schedule. And I know that you have a couple of time schedules, so that's perfect. We can actually cover, you know, we can start with one, and I will. Um, we would meet in person. Um, I'll make sure that we meet in person, and and we have a, you know, time that we can cover that. So we can do that. Okay. If you like. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's just straighten that out for a second. Um, yeah. So today is the fifth. Yep. Um, uh, I schedule the next three weeks with you, but can yes. we switch it to one thirty? Yes, we can. Okay, we can so that. I. I'll see if it allows me to do that. I it does. All right, so I'm going to switch them all right now to one thirty. Yeah, I'm uh, doing that as well. Okay, so then, so it sounds like. Yeah, well, let's get started with that next time, maybe. Yes. Yeah, because next time, if that works for you, I can meet with you in your office and bring the manual, and we can work on that. Does that work for you? Uh, sure. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I'll bring the manual, and we can start covering that. And then the following week, I may be able to do this or the following, either one. You can see how much we cover next week, and we'll take it from there if you want. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. That sounds great. And it's very interesting because one of the pieces that are you still figuring that piece out? Am I still packing? What? Yeah, are you are you still doing the calendar, or you're telling me when you're? Uh, I I am doing a little calendar. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's all right. Okay. Um. Okay. Um. All right. Good. Good. Okay. So we have that covered, which is great. And let's see. Good. Yeah, because one of the pieces that I would love to talk with you about whenever you're ready is I've been, I had one of the things that I've been doing recently is learning more about the law of attraction and different things that we can do to actually switch, which is exactly what you were talking about, from a place of being self-critical to actually saying, okay, yeah, there's a part of me that has been trained to you know, maybe to see what is what is missing instead of what is present, and I am I'm wanting to really shift my focus. So I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you you just shared with me a lot of successes, a mm-hmm. lot of really major changes. Plus one that you haven't mentioned, but when we started working, you were not fully divorced yet, and you were in a place of holding a lot onto your marriage. Uh-huh. In a way that I think was keeping you from moving forward. I was holding what to the marriage? 
holding on, holding on to the marriage and the idea that you were going to go back? Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly less. And I, I realize, I mean, this is where I'm kind of honestly at with it now, is that um, uh, you know, even if we're going to go back, I need to let go completely right now. Yeah. And that actually helps me with both ends of it because, you know, I'm, hey, I need to let go anyway. It's very unlikely that I'm going to go back, I think. Mm-hmm. And, but even if I am going to go back, I realize I need to totally let go. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and I need to operate from that place and not yeah. secretly holding on. So if you do, if you do that, Tell me what percent, it's two things that I want to share with you, which I think is very powerful. How how much do you think you have let go and how much is still holding on? Well, I mean, oh, well, if I was holding on, well, you know, honestly, actually, that's a very interesting question, which gets into the whole thing about what life is about. But they're actually two separate things. Like, I think I need to work on letting go and mm-hmm. increase that. I would yeah. say my, my, my holding on has decreased from an eight or a nine to like a four or a five. Okay. And, you know, you know, Yeah. But I think I need to increase my letting go, like actively get it in my body more. And what is it, how does it feel and mean to let go? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not, they're actually two separate things. Yeah, absolutely. You know? not, not only that, there's one thing that you said that was like really my a light bulb went on for me because you said even if we were to get to go back, you still need to completely let go. And I think that what may help you let go even more, and we can definitely work on these, is the fact that you will never go back. The only thing that you could do is move forward. And moving forward, you may, what may happen is that you recreate a connection. But the connection that took place until now has to completely, completely transform in order to be recreated. Exactly. Well, that's that's a, that's a great. That's true. And I, I think that it's a, it has a lot of power to realize that to say, you know, the relationship until today or until the moment that you decided not to be together, that relationship is over. And if exactly. you are able, you were able to get back together, it would be something that will happen in the future. On with a new commitment, a new contract, a new relationship. Yes. Right? Um, so what's going what's happening? I heard a good a good sigh, a good exhale. Um hmm, that's yeah. Well I well that even makes it all the more easy for me to let go because I know that that's so true. Yeah. It makes it easier to let go to, to think that. Especially and it's true. It, I mean, the fact is... It's absolutely know, true because I have also heard you say that 
the relationship you had didn't fully work for you either. No, it didn't. And, you know, I mean, one of the big things I'm going to change is, and, and I'm really aware of this, is I've been doing this as a parent more with Toriel, like just what I call reporting. I'm wondering if you, in your various circles, you have another term for this, where you, you know, I've just been uh, saying what is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, vo- you know my, my issue is that I don't speak the small voices that are inside of me, and I didn't do that with Sophia. And if I had just done, if I had just not even thought that I needed to be strong or change anything, but just simply voice, yeah. speak these voices and report them, that would have been great. Like, wow, I'm really feeling uncomfortable when you think I've said something when I, when I haven't. I didn't say those words. Yeah. And, you know, the next step, it's like you're walking away from me right now. And, and, you know, to come to her later and say, and instead I was kind of, she really reminded me of my mother. You know, my mother did the exact same thing, walked away, and I was scared of her. So I wouldn't come back to Rithi and say, you know, I, I really, I'm frightened when you walk yeah. away. I'm scared. I'm also pissed and, 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 and uh, really sad when you walk away because, uh, and you walk away, with you thinking that I said these horrible things, which are, you know, I have to say, when I hear you say that I said these horrible things, oh, well, that sounds like your father to me. And so it's very, of course, I start thinking, you're not seeing me. It's, again, you're just with your father. And this is, this is very uh, worrisome for our relationship, you know, for me. And, you know, I, I could have spoken up in so many ways, you know, in so many ways, but I'm thinking of it as reporting rather than needing, you know, even, even rather than speaking up, I, even that, you know, just thinking, I'm just reporting what's happening. Yes. Now, because, okay, so let's tap, tap through the points because this is huge and this is the part that as you're talking, what comes very strongly to mind is that, Growing up, you were not able to say those things to your mom because you didn't feel safe. You didn't feel right. like she was, she was going to really hear you. She couldn't really uh, listen, right? Right. And it really wasn't safe. So there's a part of you that learned that that wouldn't work, that that was not safe. So you didn't learn that skill or that you call reporting or it's actually... Um, it is absolutely reporting, but there's a step that you that you're not experiencing, which is you disconnected enough that you're not aware of how you're feeling in order to report it. Uh huh. Something may be going on, and I have I have experienced this with a lot of clients that have similar profile than yours, which is if it's not safe to feel your feelings for whatever reason, because you need to be doing something else in order to feel safe. You need to hide, you need to, you know, be quiet, you need to be invisible or whatever it might need that you feel like you need to do. In a way, you kind of numbing yourself and your nervous system goes kind of like blank and you disconnect from what is going on inside. So it's like it's a two-step process. First, you have to realize what's going on and reconnect in order to be able to say it. Mm. 
So that's why one of the, the very, I thought it was incredibly powerful sessions we've had, and I would love, I want to invite you to continue to do the same, is that when we're having our sessions and you notice anything that is going on, practice with me. Like, what is it, what are you, right? Like, what are you aware of? Like, right now, what are you aware of as we're talking and tapping? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. um, uh, Well, right now, I feel very satisfied. I, I, I can't even remember what it was, but I think there were a few moments ago, it's, it's so interesting, like with any person in a kind of coach or therapist role or, you know, I mean, Rosia commented on this all the time, like, I, and I, I have to work on it and I, I want to be aware of it. Like, I don't, I'm not the side of me where I'm not coachable or I'm, I'm, I'm resisting what the person, I'm so worried about being overpowered or the person not respecting me and they're off on their own trip. I'm so hyper-vigilant of any word that's out of placement in, you know, in my eyes. Yeah. And I think, oh, well, they don't know what they're doing or they don't care about me or they're just off on their own trip. And, and you know, so there was a moment, I can't remember what it was, a little earlier where I was worried about that. Oh. I can't remember what it was, so... Uh, so anything that's, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I never, it's hard to actually relate it to my mother fully because, you know, sometimes when people get what I, when they go into rote mode, what I call rote, you know, they're doing things by rote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get nervous. So that, you remember a few sessions ago when I said, because you, you always would say the same thing over, does that make sense? Does that, does that make sense? And now you're very sensitive about saying that to me. And you tell me the reason why you're saying it. Uh, but it's just interesting for me to observe that. Like if anyone says anything by rote. Now my mother wasn't actually, I mean, on the outer level, she didn't do anything by rote. She was always highly unpredictable and it, well, she was both unpredictable, but also very predictable in her unpredictability. Yeah. I wouldn't say I, I wanted her to be more, not by rote, but I wanted her to be certainly more organized. Yeah. And so I don't know why it would be so upsetting. Maybe she did do things by rote in a certain way, but yeah. it, was, it was kind of in a very unconscious way that I, I can't even see, really. Yeah. But it it triggers me when anyone else does things by, you know, says the same thing over and over again, or I just feel that they're not being present or they're not listening to me or they're overpowering me or something. So is it possible that if we look underneath at a deeper level, because the big piece is that you you feel like you have to be hypervigilant that, see, one of the things that happened is, from what you told me, is that your mom was not present, was not really listening to you, was not seeing you for who you were. So the hypervigilance is not necessarily about repeating words or not repeating, but it's more about like, are you being present? 
Are you are you really listening to me? Are you getting distracted? Are you just you know? It's more the hypervigilance of like, are you overpowering me, or am I? Do I have to follow your agenda? It's more like, it's a it's almost like an antenna about how tuned into me are you, or are you just going away? And that I think that that might be the the sensitive spot. Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, that is, that, that does key it into my mother, you know, so somebody's being wrote, doing things by rote, they're not, they're not keying into me, and that is like my mother. Yeah. The, so it's, it's not really the rote thing, but just the not being present thing. Exactly. And for you, when somebody repeats or quotes the same thing over and over, it's like, are they just saying that mechanically because they're not present? Or what else is going on here? Because the, the antenna, the alarm goes off. Now, what would it mean it, for somebody to not be fully present? How was your mom not fully present for you? Um, well, she, she, I mean, was, you know, the only way, let me put it this way, the only way she was present is if she was tuned into this, you know, improvisational way of being. And then she could, I'm not sure she really ever saw me, but, you know, this improvisational way of being, if she was tuned in, wasn't like she was seeing me, but at least she wasn't not seeing me because the improvisational wit at her best, she was really very easygoing and improvisational and it was very beautiful and those and so those moments things flowed but I still you know when you never have a moment where you know somebody your mother is in front of you saying you know holding you and saying I see you or or energetically doing that I literally can't I'm sure she must have but I don't remember even one real time all I remember is the absence of I never remember a moment where she felt grounded in like, I see you. I can't even remember one time. I mean, I know she said, I love you. But it always, even that felt like she loved me because I was a certain way that she needed. But I never saw that she, yeah, it was probably true that I never saw that she even loved me beyond her needing something from me. Right. Right, so you see that that's the I love yous were very yeah. far between. I mean, almost non-existent. So the, so the antenna and that hypervigilance that you have with me and the whole world, in a way, is this sensitivity of, like, are you wanting me to be a certain way so it works for you? Right, Instead so maybe of, that is a kind of rote, kind mm-hmm. of roteness right. in a certain way. And you know, actually, I have... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, my um, best friend Daniel, who you met in the yeah. in, in the in the lobby, mm-hmm. you know, this comes up for me because you know here is this highly you know successful man, very organized man, but when he goes into his default mo- mode, his unpresent default mode, he is does things very by rote, and mm-hmm. so he's very practice in being a kind person by rote and it Mm -hmm. drives me up the wall because I just think he's being so insincere but he's a completely different animal than I am 
And so when I say, hey, Daniel, you know, he feels so kind of attacked because for him, he's just being a good friend. But he's kind of stressed out and he's just going through the motions of it. I mean, it's, it's not that he's not, he doesn't know being present, but, you know, it's just a very interesting dynamic with him because I struggle with it, it with him a lot because he does do a lot of things by rote. And even on an objective level, when I see him with other people, I see him, he's the good boy. So he always is trying to be liked and he, he you know, he has his old, another set of stories that I don't have, but mm. they drive me up the wall. The, the way they play out drive me up the wall sometimes. Yeah. So is it, there's something about there's something about being hyper vigilant about when somebody is almost like checks out, when somebody's not present. It yeah. seems to be a really big button for you. Yeah. And in yeah. a way, it's extremely annoying because I think it actually is hurtful. It hurts. It reminds you of your, your mom being so absent and negligent. So you have a, a very sensitive alarm to like, okay, what is going on? And all of a sudden, it's like you're invisible. Right. And then this, this other side of me comes out where I get very judgmental. And so mm-hmm. you know, it's another thing I talk about a kind of a good thing uh, in me is that I've been really, you know, one of the things in general since my divorce from Rathia is I realized we both stimulated judgmentalness. You know, basically, you know, this kind of exceptionalism thing, you know, where I think I'm amazing, you know, and Rathia has it big time, you know, and she thinks because she's done all this work, what an advanced person. And then she judges people very much if they haven't done this work, haven't done work on themselves. And I would too. And, you know, so we fed off of this judgmentalness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually had it in, in, in my longest relationship with my friend Deborah, who's, mm-hmm. you know, actually, it's a very interesting thing. I, I, now that I realize it, she's really had to, like, drop out of everything she used to do, and now she's become an herbalist. She was a dancer and dropped out because she was so filled with ego with everything. And it's true, but she also had many gifts in the things that she did, but she went away from all of it and became an herbalist instead of a dancer and a performer and a teacher. Okay, come back, she, come back to you. How does it connect with you? Well, just this judgmentalness. Like, that's, the, as soon as somebody's not present, I get very judgmental. And so my dynamic with my mother or with Daniel is that I start getting very judgmental. Okay, let's look, let's look at that because look at this. This is a golden nugget, Patrick. When we are judgmental, you know what you're doing. You're putting distance between you and the other person. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're, you're saying they're bad, I'm good, they're, you know, they're doing this or whatever. You're creating distance, which makes you feel safe. Right. Now, because feeling judgmental, is, it's such a, we can beat ourselves up for being judgmental because... You know, it's a negative pattern, right? So it feeds that inner critic that you already have because nobody, you know, I imagine that you don't like feeling judgmental about your good friend. Right. So you're getting hooked on that instead of noticing and saying, wow, 
something must be going on that I have to retreat into my judgmental mind to keep my heart safe. Or, so then, so then I have these two modes. The judgmental side is this harsh mode, which, you know, it's worse can lead to the yelling with Rathia. Or I go back to the old pattern of not speaking up and I don't find the middle ground where I can be gentle and because I have this huge voice that no one will want to listen to me, you know, that I, so I either just retreat altogether or I get judgmental or harsh. Yes. Okay, great. So this is, this is really wonderful. So, um, this is what we're, what we're tuning in is the shadow part of you that you have developed that we can call your defensive mechanisms, okay? So are you still tapping as we're talking? Yeah. Wonderful. Do you see that then what you have developed is a repertoire of different ways in which you retreat to protect yourself, you retreat or you act to protect yourself when you feel hurt? When something is not working for you, you either retreat or hide, you become judgmental, and when those two don't work because that part of you is so hurt that you get pissed, then you go into attack. Mm. So when that, those parts get gotten set up, right? So it's like, well, you know, just you have to push them away. Like being judgmental is not doing it because it's an internal process. Hiding or retreating is also an internal process. The other person may not get it. But if, if they don't get that and they keep on hurting you or saying something or doing something that hurts, you're going to get loud. Mm-hmm. The secret, so the secret, just to share with you before we start actively tapping together, is how can you actually recognize, reconnect with those parts so you can voice, and going back to the reporting or the sharing, whoa, you know what? So internally you can say, and tap along with me, I am getting judgmental. I'm getting judgmental. Probably something is really upsetting. Because something is really upsetting. Even if I don't know exactly what it might be. Even if I don't know exactly what it might be. There's a part of me that is getting defensive. There's a part of me that's getting defensive. So I'm either judging. I'm either judging. Or I'm retreating. Or I'm retreating. And if that doesn't work, you hear me? If that doesn't work. I'm sorry, if that doesn't work. Then I'll just scream the hell out of them. And if that doesn't work, I'll scream the hell out of them. (laughs) So, so, So that would push them away. Right. Yeah. So take a breath and notice what is happening right now because I notice that your energy shifted a little bit. What's going on? Where are you? And check well, with your I, sol- solar plexus. Just take a breath um, and come to your solar plexus. Well, it's good to just, I like the way you worded it. It made me laugh. I mean, it's so mm-hmm. true. I mean, i just seeing it. Um, I feel more more volume in my body. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, largely my experience, my training growing up was completely disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And 
Keep on tapping. Yeah, I'm tapping. And never feeling, you know, myself and my volume in a peaceful Mm -hmm. way. You know, I didn't think I could exist, so there certainly was no peace. I I didn't think I could speak up, so I just had these two modes, retreat and harsh. And you're right, actually. What what, what I saw, actually, what you just said was very interesting to me because um, I looked at the yelling as coming from the the judgmentalness only. But I, what, what you said was, when either don't work, then I start to yell, and that's actually more true. Like, when I retreat, of course, I'm not there. And so, yes, I'm going to start yelling because it's the only way to try to get there. Of course, it wouldn't get me. It wouldn't bring me into being. It would just make things worse. Uh, well, I mean, with my mother, no, it not, me not, in, being, not entirely. Look, Patrick, not entirely because... When you get, this is how the pro, I think what I, how I see it, okay? Just for a moment of perspective, if you step back just to see the, the whole, let's, let's talk about a scene, an imaginary scene. So there's something that happened that hurt you. It, it could be something completely subconscious or something that you're aware of. So the first thing that you may feel is retreating. Within that retreating, you get a judgment. You're like, whoa, she's a bitch or she's, she has no idea what she's doing, or she should do her own work, whatever it might be. Now, that, that's one piece, right? So it's like about it's the shrinking of the energy. You're going internal and separating, mm-hmm. separating by judging and by protecting yourself in this little, I don't know, I almost feel like it's like getting into this egg or a little protective area. That, if that doesn't work and the, the impact or whatever hurts you gets bigger, then there's a part of you that is going to come out, which is a screaming, because, to push away. So all three are trying to accomplish the same goal, which is to defend and to actually keep you safe. Uh-huh. So I want you to breathe into that for a moment because I'm going to present another option, Okay. But tap with me just through the points. I can see that I've been really protecting myself. I can see that I've been really protecting myself. And when I, there's a part of me that gets scared. There's a part of me that gets scared. I either hide or retreat. I either hide or retreat. Judge the heck out of them. Judge the heck out of them. Or if that doesn't work, yeah, I scream. Right. Can you say that? And if that doesn't work, if either of those don't work, then I scream. Okay. So take a breath. Close your eyes for a moment. Keep on tapping. What if there's another way? What if there's another way? Where I can actually honor what I feel. If I can um, honor what I feel. Be aware of what is going on for me. Be aware of what is going on for me. And voice it calmly. And voice it calmly. That would be a different thing altogether. 
So if I can honor what I feel, what was the second thing? You honor what you feel and you're connected with what's going on for you. Connected. You're you're writing down, is that what you're doing? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. No, it's good. I'm tapping for both of us, but it's very important. Yeah, so in every moment... So those are the things that you just told me to say, if I can honor what I feel, connect with what's going on for me, and voice it calmly? Exactly. So let's practice right now. As soon as you're done writing, take a deep breath. Yeah. Close your eyes. And in this moment, I want you to first feel your feet on the ground so you're full in your body. Move your toes a little bit. You're tapping, stop tapping. Just be here in your body. I want you to notice your right foot and notice your left knee and now your right thigh and your left thigh. Notice your right hip, whatever is contacting ground or the chair. And I know I want you to notice your abdomen as you're breathing, whole cavity of your abdominal cavity, and your solar plexus. Give your attention right there, breathe into your solar plexus. And the next breath is fully open your awareness to what is going on in this moment in your solar plexus. What are the sensations that you notice there? And let me know, what do you notice? I often, I feel a kind of emptiness there, which I often feel. Mm-hmm. And yet I probably feel more there than I was half an hour ago. But it's still, the emptiness is still there. It's like, almost like my voice was there and it's so unpracticed. Mm-hmm. Or at least the connecting to what I'm feeling is there. And that's so unpracticed that even when it, you know, it's more filled up than it's usually, but still there's an emptiness. Okay. So pay, pay close attention to space, right? This emptiness. Now, empty is connected with that there's something that is missing. Is that how it feels? Uh, yeah. And if you were to guess what is missing, what would that be? Well, I think really just the first thing that came to me was really being held and being loved, you know, and and not, you know, it's weird. I really have this almost female stuff where I feel that if I open to that, people are going to want to have sex with me. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird thing. No, I don't. Okay, so it's interesting. Now, if we suspend this judgment for just a moment, can we do that? Yeah. Okay. So it is when you mention this female stuff, is it possible that this this need of being held and loved is this part of you 
that is vulnerable and that is actually this younger part of you that needs to be loved. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? It's okay, yeah. And is it okay for this part of you? Okay, so I want you to tap, just tap maybe in your sternum or anywhere that it feels right, anywhere. But just mostly like I like the idea of connecting with your chest and your heart because is it okay for you to want to receive? Is it okay? Yes. All right. So. Okay, because what happens is that is it all right that you actually have a desire, a need to receive, to being held, being seen, and being loved? And that, I think, in your mind, it equals in some way with feminine because it's a, being receptive is a more feminine, stereotypical feminine energy. It's not about giving or doing, but it's about receiving. Do you see that? Yeah. So is it all right that you have a desire and an, an energy that is actually needing to be to be held and to receive? Yeah. And would yeah, it be okay? I mean, that, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Well, just that... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm... Okay, so... Well, this, this, so read, yeah. yes, it's true. The feeling of wanting to be loved and be held is feminine in itself. But then on the, on the next level, I also have this other thing that feels even, even more particularly feminine, you know, that I hear women talk about a lot. Like if they're really vulnerable, they're scared that, you know, I get scared that, that somebody's going to want to have sex with me you know, mm-hmm. rather than actually, you know, and which is, in, in fact, my mother did sexualize me. And exactly. Absolutely. So there is that. And, and I seem to, it's been somewhat true. You know, the strange thing about, say, Daniel, is that I've been the only man in his life that he has been attracted to. Yeah. And so that has come up between us. And... and, and- and is it okay to go underneath and maybe see, because you've also told me that Daniel has been somebody to hold you and that you have allowed that, but then you get a little a little hypervigilant about is it going to be a sexual thing? So, well, right. So, right? But I wonder and, if you and it, and yeah, it, 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 it pops up, and I actually, I mean, it's weird. I, I, I guess I, and he's always responsive, but it feels so weird. Like, I've had to say it. It's come up, his, his attraction to me has come up in the last year, you know, the last two years. He committed to me as a friend to help me with the divorce. So, so I had to actually say, you know, Daniel, like when I was in my most vulnerable moments, I said, Daniel, I need you not to be attracted to me right now. <laughs> and it felt really hard to say, and it was also awkward and and he gets defensive and you know it's weird. so so patrick let's let's look let's look at a little deeper let's just go one okay. la- one layer lower okay a lower let's go into the possibility that because i ha- i recognize the energy so at an energetic level where the mm. gender gender is just 
irrelevant, okay? Gender is, it is. outer. It does come up outer. with women, too, you know? Yes. The other thing yes. about me is I have the ability to deeply be friends with women. Yes. And then I get all vulnerable. Yeah. And then they fall in love with me. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> But that, that, Patrick, it's okay. It's okay because that is an outer layer. Let's go okay. underneath. Okay, underneath energetically, when you open up and you actually share in an energetic way, you open up your heart and you're ready to receive, to receive love, to receive tenderness, to receive connection and being held. What happens is that what comes across is this vulnerable, open place. Mm. And whatever you... Whatever you people are responding to could or not, not always, but it could have a, a sexual a sexual connection, but energetically it's just a connection. It's like it's mm-hmm. almost like you're getting in touch with this part of you that is a vessel, that it's a, a receptive vessel, and they could come and say, "Wow, but I, I I'm, I'm yeah, I can do that. I can feel that." Right. You can actually so, even. Yeah, go ahead. I'm kind of getting into a Byron Katie, you know Byron Katie and her work. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm kind of getting into a Byron Katie. What if I didn't have the thought? Mm-hmm. What would happen if I didn't have the thought? of Like, it's very natural. I, I, I do get to a vulnerable place. Yes. And what if I didn't have the thought that it wasn't, a, what if I didn't, what if I didn't think it's, what if, I, what if I thought it's not a necessarily a bad thing if somebody does become attracted to me? Because exactly. the truth is, the truth is, I know how to set boundaries now. Exactly. And so I'm not that worried about it. That's yes. the truth. That's it. But I guess I'm responding to an old part of me that didn't know how to set boundaries. And so I guess what I want to tap on is like, I know how to set boundaries. And I, yeah. can see, I don't have to retreat. I don't have to, I can calmly say, without getting harsh, without doing something. I just say, you know, hey, I'm feeling this energy from you and I'm not liking it. I, I mean, yes. I don't, that's not what I want right now. No, exactly. Yeah, look, I, I, this is okay. So that's perfect. Okay, tapping through the points, right? It's like I now recognize that I can set healthy boundaries. I can set healthy boundaries. And I feel strong and calm doing so. I feel strong and calm. I can set healthy boundaries. I feel strong and calm. And it's okay if another person gets attracted to me. That's okay. (laughs) Yes, it is okay. That doesn't mean that I have to do anything. Right? That doesn't mean that you have to do anything. What happened is that Growing up, I didn't have an option with mine. Right. Right? Isn't that true? Yes. Growing I, up. It's so great. Yes. Like, wow. It's okay if someone gets attracted to me because I can set. Yes. I can calmly set any boundary that I want. I don't have to worry about hurting them. Yes. And it's even okay if I feel attracted to them, but I may choose not to do anything because it may not be in my best interest at the time. It's okay for 
that piece is easier for me, ironically. Uh, it is a well, you can to be attracted to them. Yeah. But remember what happened with Elizabeth, that you felt attracted to her and you actually acted on it. You may even choose to set boundaries with yourself if at any point it's not something that would be to your best interest, even if you do feel attracted. You can recognize it as a beautiful, energetic connection. But, you know, I have had, I have to tell you, I've been, since I've been married, actually not with Stefan, but um, at a point in my life, I have had crushes with, to be, with people. And sure. I, I enjoy the crush, and that's totally fine. That doesn't mean I'm going to act on it. That doesn't mean anything other than, oh, interesting, you know, there's, there's a little energy here. Isn't yeah. that enjoyable? And that doesn't mean that you have to act on anything. Right. That could be, yeah. I mean, that you, piece of me getting attracted is much easier piece for me to deal with than me worrying about somebody getting attracted to me. Yeah. Because okay. I feel like okay. I take care of them. Because that, that makes sense because growing up, when mom was attracted to you, there was a fear that she may actually get into, you know, one of her crazy moods or something. There would be, could be really intense and dangerous consequences. Mm-hmm. So, yes, needing to take care of the other person has been kind of like programmed into you. Yeah. So... Take a breath. I now choose to let go. I now choose to let go. Of the responsibility. Of the responsibility. For other people. I now choose to let go of the responsibility of other people. I now choose... I now choose the what? <laughs> to, to let go of being responsible for other people. Let go of being responsible of other people. It's so good for me to write this down because it's such like a dream that it all goes away and I can't call it back up. Well, the thing is that that's why we have these, we record these sessions. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Is this one recording? Of course. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to actually, right now, send you the link so you could actually tap it again, just in case you don't know where it is. Okay. There it is. Look at that. Perfect. That's the link to your all of your recorders. The, record the ones that are not there, you're going to see the some we skipped because we have quite a few sessions that were um, in person. So those we, we can, you know, we didn't record but other than that, the ones that are there are recorded. All right. Mm. How do you feel? How How do you feel in your, like, how does your solar plexus feel now? Um, I, uh, It does feel a lot more open. It feels like, you know, sometimes it seems to hover around like a zero to two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then okay. the last time you asked, it was like a five or six, maybe seven at the most. And now it feels like it's filled up. Like it's like an eight or a nine. Wow, that's fabulous. That's really, really great. 
Now that you know that I have physically this concave chest mm-hmm. uh, right at the bottom of my sternum, it goes in and it's almost like physically a hole. Uh, yeah. It's like it goes in a concave the chest, and um, so it's interesting right now. Even touching it, it feels like the, you know, it's right basically it's the solar plexus area, you know, yeah, slightly above it, you know, and it yeah. feels like it's come more out. Wow. So, the one thing that would like you to, I really invite you to do be extremely gentle with yourself because I wouldn't be surprised if your body has energetically changed that, shifted that inward based on that what we were talking earlier about hiding, protecting mm-hmm. that very, mm-hmm. you know, that very tender part of you. So now it's like, okay, now it's not, it's not only that it's not empty, but it's filled and it's filled enough that you notice a physical difference and be very, very tender with yourself, knowing that you can set boundaries, that it's okay, that you can be filled within yourself and you're not, you don't have to take care of other people or worry that they're going to be hurt if you set boundaries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, wow. We've done some wonderful work today. Yeah. Ah. So, one of the things that soon enough what I'm going to really want you to do is start getting yourself a little bit more out there, but I, I just a little bit. I think this is, a, this is actually the preview to getting there because being able to be full in your body is really going to make a difference for you to feel like, okay, now you can step out and it's okay, it's safe. Mm. Wow. It came all the way around. How are you doing? Yeah. Good. Great. Let's just get I would strongly encourage you to listen to this one. I think this is a powerful one because we touched upon a lot of different things. And and I have to tell you, this one is also the key. I want to say this now, and you're going to listen to it, uh, which is I'm, I'm really, really happy that this is always recorded because this is a key to your procrastination. One of the things that keeps you procrastinating is the part of you that judges yourself. And you are actually thinking of, all the things you're not doing instead of actually building on everything that you are doing. So can I invite you, did I talk to you about uh, starting your five-minute journal? No. Okay. Are you, I want you to, would you accept an invitation to practice for this week? Sure. And it's literally five minutes. Five-minute journal. Sometimes I, I have it next to my bed because I do it in the morning. Sometimes I bring it with me to the bathroom when it's my first pee in the morning. I just bring it over. And in that five minutes, literally, I do three things. Mm-hmm. The, the first one is 
I write down what was a smaller big miracle that happened the previous day. And for a miracle, I talk about anything wonderful that happened, anything. It could be very little, mm-hmm. it could be big. Uh-huh. The, sec- the second piece, and all of these is recorded, but you can take notes. The second piece is you pick one thing that you're grateful for. One. It could be, let's say that it's Toriel. And you go very specific about three things that you're grateful for about her. Like you really appreciate and love her smile when she looks at you. You know, when she first sees you. And you love her passionate, energetic, and bubbly self. And you totally adore when she gets, you know, really funny and she wants to dance with you. I'm totally making this up, but... Very specific and very clear. Whatever you pick as your something you're grateful for, you just write three, three small specific things. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you're going to do is you're going to write about what would make this day a wonderful one for you, a great day. And it could be that you get this done or that you meet so-and-so or that you, you know, you tap a couple of times, or whatever it might be, what would make this day a great day for me? Mm-hmm. Can you okay. do that? I can try. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very, very simple. What do you see that, what is the resistance coming up? Uh, it's just, you know, making the time, remembering, um, you know, uh, yeah, I will, I will, I will uh, do this for the next week. I will make a commitment to do this first thing in the morning and I wake up. I'll tell you why I'm asking, I'm, I'm inviting you to do these. And it's because um, the, one of the first things that you said, have for your family or for your brother, it, even if 80% is going right, there's a need to focus on the 20. And what I'm inviting you to do is actually get you in the energy of recognizing what went really well the previous day. What are you grateful for in your life? What would make you stay wonderful? So it's really focusing on what is working on that 80%. I'm bringing more awareness to it. Okay. 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 If anything comes up from here until next Tuesday, let me know. Um, Okay. You can always write to me. Good. Okay. All right, great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And you got the link, right? So you can listen to the recording? Yeah, I did get the ring, the uh, the link. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Big hug. And, All right. Uh, we'll talk Thank to you. Have a great week. You're very welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.